0: Welcome to Focus Schools Podcast, Leading for Impact. My name is Brett Bishop, and I have been working with Focus Schools for a long time and um consequently all my gray hair and agedness, but really pleased today to be joined by two people who I'm really excited to talk to you about the work that they're doing. One is Jen Jackson, the principal of Rancho Starbuck Intermediate School. Welcome, Jen.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we're so excited. And my good friend and colleague Sandy Blazer is here. Welcome to you, Sandy.
1: Thanks, Brett.
0: So I wonder if you two might just talk a little bit about the work that you're doing um, in terms of the time. I know this is your second year, Jen, as principal in Rancho Starbuck, but just talk a little bit about uh, the work that you have been doing together.
2: So I I had the privilege of meeting Jen when I was her coach um, in her former district in Monrovia, where she was at a middle school, Clifton Middle School. And, you know, I've coached, I've been with Focus Schools for a very, very long time. I've been more gray hairs than you, Brett. But, um, you know, when you meet that principal that you know is just a sponge and just soaks up um, ideas and takes them to a new level, that's how I've always felt about Jen. I got so excited just driving up to her school each time. She did an amazing job in Monrovia. And so last year she moved, and she'll tell you a lot more about it. She moved to Rancho Starbuck Intermediate in um, Little Joint School District, We've always stayed in touch over the years just on our own. And um, she said, hey, I, I, I want to coach again. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to coach again. And I said, oh. So um, we were able to work out coaching this year. And it has been a thrill to see what she took from her last school. And you can't just start where you left off in a new place. It's a new, it's a new culture. And you, you'll be leaving people behind. She was so thoughtful about it. Um, But she did take a lot of what she learned to, I feel like, speed up her implementation of great ideas. So she'll tell you a lot more. But her relationships with community kids, staff, I think are her biggest asset. She's super smart. And she has built trust very quickly, which has allowed her to take, I think, some big, bold steps at her school.
1: Thank you, Sandy. I would add that I In not having a coach for the first time in a long time last year, I realized that my dialogue with Sandy was so valuable. Having somebody from the outside with a lot of experience who is seeing things from a different lens and not entrenched in the same systems um, allows for critical questions to be asked of me that I can't think of myself. And that allows me to open up and broaden my thinking and really be careful and intentional in what I'm doing. And so I missed that last year. And that's why I reached out and said, I want my coach. I need a coach. (laughs) here.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate you both sharing that. And it's obvious the the connection that you have. And I I wonder, Jen, if you might talk to us a little bit about your instructional leadership team and specifically the, the ways in which you've been able to build their leadership capacity and their ability to use data to inform their decisions. Can you talk about that a little bit with us?
1: I can. Well, first and foremost, I walked into quite the amazing district and an amazing school. So I, I don't want to in any way dismiss the, the legacy of the former principal and what she built here, um, because that has created a foundation for me to honestly um, do the hard work. And I'm so appreciative of everything that came before me. So when I, when I arrived to Rancho Starbucks, I immediately saw systems in place that for me, I worked really hard in my previous district to create. So knowing that I didn't have to start from scratch was a breath of fresh air. And that allowed me to get down deep into the the, the work of, okay, what are we using to measure learning? Um, what things do we have to do? What are those mandates? Um, What are our district initiatives? How do we balance this all out? And as I looked at that, of course, there's already an instructional leadership team in existence. um, And there was no need for me to do anything with that in terms of dismantling or changing because it was intact and there are very strong unified group of people. In fact, the entire teaching staff is a strong unified group of people. So with that foundation, I was able to come in and start asking hard questions. And they have always been a school that's been based on measuring. This is what we want students to know. Okay, did they reach the mark? But what I felt was happening, um, they've been doing some things pre-COVID In a space where there weren't necessarily some systems in place by the district, when I say systems, I mean data programs. So they were doing a lot of things um, by hand, creating pre and post assessments, um, common formative assessments, which is all fantastic work, but the district adopted iReady the year before I arrived with the implementation date of my first year. So what an opportunity to take a new program and marry that to the foundation of what existed before and start looking at data differently. And so I was also in a very fortunate situation to be on board with this process of implementing iReady at the same time as the teachers. Um, I had never used iReady before, nor had they. So together we were on this journey and that really allowed us to um, operate in a space of vulnerability and ask, you know, what's going to make this work meaningful and how do we work smarter and not harder basically.
2: And, you know, one thing I remember you saying to me, Jen, that you did implement at the same time. I think one thing you, you probably didn't even think about this because it's just you, but it's not everybody thinks this way is I am going to learn with the staff. I'm going to all of the trainings I can possibly go to. I'm going to ask all the questions. So I can be there and be a support. So they right away saw you as a learner and not all people do that. You know, they say, here's this new thing, go learn it. So I wanted to point that out because you really did. You were the lead learner with your staff on this initiative.
1: Yeah, you're right. I've never thought of myself as doing that, but I was definitely in the trenches trying to be. Uh, Get as much information to be a couple steps ahead so that I could provide that mentorship. My assistant principal has been instrumental in that process as well. We both locked arms and did the same exact work. So that was great because that made two of us. And we also noticed that shortly into the school year last year, if we're really going to start looking at data differently and really figuring out how to address our learning gap, we better pick up the pace. And, you know, there's only so much time in a given year where districts provide pupil-free days and professional development meeting, you know, times during the week. Our days are Mondays where we release early for that. And when we looked at the calendar, we thought, we're really not going to be any further along come April, if we don't do something different. So I called the district office, I have an amazing leadership team. And I asked if we could not follow the program that the other five elementary schools were going to follow this year, being that we're the only secondary school in the district, we are a K-8 district. And so they said, absolutely. So we went rogue, and we created a new plan. And we created our own professional development in and around what this would look like. And that really propelled us into a new space and and had us moving quicker and faster than we could have ever dreamed of in year one of iReady implementation and them having a new principal sailing the ship.
0: That explanation was so helpful. And I love hearing how you position yourself as a learner. I think that's that vulnerability you spoke about is so important for leaders to be comfortable in uncertainty. I I, I think there's such a race to make sure that we're certain about everything, that we miss so many opportunities to be uncertain and to just um, try to learn alongside of our staff. But I wondered if you might connect a little bit to this issue of in schools where we're trying to say, all right, we've got this interim assessment stuff that we're learning so much about. And what, what did you learn about ways that you've used that to connect it with learners who say needed needed more support than just tier one or in either direction, some enrichment or uh, they were behind. Is there anything you could help us to understand there?
1: Yes. So again, another foundational structure that was in place before me and has received awards is a program at Rancho called FLEC. And basically it's a, a cycle of targeted intervention and enrichment that occurs up to eight times in a school year. Uh, Last year, it was a little less because of the COVID surge, but it really allowed for us to figure out what we're going to target and and, and how we're going to address that. So as an example, the cycle repeats every three weeks. So there is something, and I say something because this is the transformational stage that we're in, something that tells us these are the deficits. So before that used to be teacher-created assessments. Now we're looking at iReady data. We're looking at domain-specific information, which shows us, okay, students at Rancho are struggling in the area of reading comprehension with informational texts. That's a huge standout for us. So knowing that, we are able to make English language arts our first cycle focus, and so we dictate who is going to need this special CSI class, which is the core supported intervention. And and then we deploy the help. So within the teaching staff, it's mostly content teachers who already teach in that subject area. Sometimes there's a sprinkle of other people who are very comfortable in that subject matter who assist and then they finalize a list of students who need that support all the stu- students who don't need that support are then able to pick from a variety of flex menu options we have a menu and those are all of the enrichment classes that all of the other teachers are teaching so what happens is there are four cycles in each or i'm sorry four classes in each cycle so after we get past the teacher selection of who needs the csi intervention and the students who get to select their fun fun flex classes Now we have everybody on lists that we can now put them into these four classes. So it's interwoven into our school day. It's a special bell schedule. And so there are 38-minute periods that occur every Tuesday and Wednesday for two weeks. And then there's an assessment given at the end to measure growth in that specific domain that we've intended to target. So previous to this year, um, Rancho was very known for focusing on all four Four areas of English, math, social science, and science. What we're starting to see when we look deeply into our data, that English and math need to take precedence. And that's been a major shift that we're in the process of adjusting to. And so we're starting off with English right now. We are in flex as we speak. And next month in November, we'll be moving to math. And from there, we'll just be looking at data to determine what are our next next steps. So it could alternate every month, it could not, but it's really letting data drive who and why we are making the decisions that we're making. That's
0: exciting. That's really exciting. And I, I wonder... I mean, one of the things that sounds so valuable about that is there, I love the term flex because the flexibility to give kids what they need and to be able to um, use data to drive that decision is something I think schools are all aspiring to and sometimes getting it to have a system like you have where there's a place to address it is so valuable. I would love as a parent to hear principal of my kid's school talking like that. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about if you were advising another principal, how do you, how do you uh, think about your job in terms of protecting the teachers to give them the time and support they need to to plan and to execute their lessons? What, what, what thoughts could you say to a principal was considering that?
1: So every, of course, district is different in how they handle those spaces of learning for the teachers and, you know, how contracts are written determine what principals can and can't do. So all of that has to come into play when making those decisions. But when that space is allotted for a principal to take charge as an instructional leader, it is so important to be intentional with that time. I put myself back into my teacher's shoes every single time I'm sitting in a meeting. And if if this is something that didn't need to be in a meeting format, or if we should have spent our time doing something more productive. I try and always make that at the forefront of my planning. They may not be super excited and jumping for joy to go into professional learning every time, although I wish they would, because come on, it's the greatest thing. At least they know that their time is going to be spent doing something very important. And I value their time. I'm making sure it's relevant. Um, Let me give you an example of that. So I ready, as we know, is a very big focus on English and math, because that's where all the personalized instruction falls. But your secondary teachers, you've got social science, science, PE, electives. You have a whole me- a mix of people who are then brought into this space who will say, "How's this relevant to what I'm doing?" You're you're expecting me honestly to be out in PE doing X, Y, and Z. So I have I make sure that in my agendas. What I need to hit with certain people is particular to that group. So if we all need to be together, we'll start together and then we can branch out and those agendas for individualized departments can look differently when they leave the room. And I think there's a level of appreciation that comes with that, that I'm just not making people sit through things. Trying to stretch them and say, well, yeah, but you still need to learn this. I think we have to respect them as professionals and and make it worth their while. And when it's not worth their while, then trust them to go do other work that pertains to their job.
0: Well said. I um, think it's so... Um, undervalued in terms of building that professionalism, that culture that you're talking about is trusting the people that you're working with. And I know in my own career, when I've been trusted like that, I tend to rise, like I tend to get better because the leader has trusted me. Um, And I think that's true for a lot of people. And I I really value that thought. Well, um, is there any thought you have about the um, support that you are providing for teachers in terms of like how, how are you thinking of every teacher needs something different? Is there any way you think about that idea of supporting all all your teachers?
1: Well, I like to look through the lens same lens we look through with student. We know that all teachers are not running this race at the same pace, just as all students are not running the race at the same pace. Everybody is different. They bring different things to the table. And when this is where the relationship piece comes in, you've got to know who you're working with you really do. You've got to see them teach. You've got to see where their strengths are. You've got to see their areas of growth. And when you do that, you can start to put things in place that are specific to their level that allow them to progress. And I think that's the key. And I'm really big about this. It doesn't matter where you're starting from, but are you moving in the right direction? Are you progressing? We want that for every kid. When we're talking about targeted intervention, it doesn't matter if you're six grade levels behind, Are you moving in the right direction? I would say the same thing as teachers, you know, not, not everybody has the same gifts and talents, but everybody's gifted and talented. So how do you then provide that specific support so that they don't feel defeated? And I think in my career, this is where I've seen defense come into play. I've been teaching a long time. How can you possibly tell me this is how I'm supposed to be doing my job or just a whole lot of other factors come into play where people are resistant to the learning if you meet them at their level, I believe that they're more capable of opening up and trusting the process than otherwise.
0: Yeah. And isn't it, um, the truth that the, the way we think about the school, all the stakeholders in the school often permeates down to the way that, children are treated. And I think it's really valuable when we think about as adults, you know, fair isn't equal and equal is not fair. And, you know, knowing who you're talking to, I always remember, um, you know, my first days as a teacher and going into a school and just scared to death, not knowing what I'm doing, you know, hoping that I'm going to be able to still pay my grocery bill at the end of the week, and they're not going to kick me out. And, you know, what I needed there versus what I might have needed 10 years from then. And, um, you know, I think that's true for everybody. And it's interesting, the the shift in the leadership in schools, in American schools, going from being the sort of sheriff of the rules formally to now being the sort of guardian of the agreements and the partners collaborator. And I think that's so powerful. And it's it's such a good, such good news for our schools. This, this time, Jen, I know there's probably, you know, 25 things you could be doing right now. And to give us a little time to talk about this is so valuable. And it's such a gift to all the people who will now listen to your words. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Our our group appreciates it. And all those who will listen to it, appreciate it. So mm-hmm. um, just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that and wish you all the best of luck to you and your staff, this amazing work you're doing for kids.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: Those of you who are listening, we really appreciate you taking time to listen. Um, we invite you to go to our website at www.focusschools.com so you could also connect with uh, our social media pages where we try to share with you the things that we're learning from schools all across the country, doing the same hard work that you are doing. And um, please feel free to also uh, like and follow. And uh, we'd love to hear more from you about what you're doing in your schools. Thank you all for being the heroes in the lives of children. And Jen, again, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much.